welcome to the Mostly Rational Podcast, a podcast in which we answer your questions in a way that is rational. Mostly. Mostly. I'm Asia Sanchez. And I'm Tawny Sanchez. And Carrie Sanchez is married, normal, and insufficiently rational to be on this podcast. Or so we claim. (laughs) Currently, Asia and I are recording this podcast in the dark. Um, Fortunately, I charged my computer right before, um, although we are already down to 95%. Oh god, we have to hurry. Yeah, so um, we are sitting here in her room, in the dark. In the cold. With candles, yeah. And I'm kind of ill, so I'm like, don't want to be cold at all. It's allergies, probably. She's literally dying. Her nose tickles. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so annoyed that, like, this podcast, I have this issue, and the last podcast, I was, like, hungry, drunk, and then <laughs> and the podcast before that, I was getting over pneumonia. So, it's just, you know, it's been a, a bad streak for me, and there's going to be a lot of me trying to hold in my sneezes. So, Asia, how are things for you? Um, pretty good, pretty good, kind of cold, because, um, my heater won't work without electricity, um, sort of feeling- just build a fire. uh, Well, there are three small fires in my room right now, (laughs) contained in glass, except for that one that's just wax melting on my desk. (laughs) Um, I'm kind of feeling like it's the 1800s, except that we are currently recording a podcast onto your fully charged laptop. How are you? Well- I think we covered that. I'm I'm dealing with some very annoying allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, I am look for looking forward to going to Oregon though this week. So what? Cool invite. <laughs> Why would you go to the woods? The woods did this to you. I know, but they're so pretty. You like how I assumed that Oregon means the woods? <laughs> <laughs> well, it means the ocean and the woods. So. I have never been to Oregon. We're going to be, like, staying in between Eugene and the coast, kind of just, like, going back and forth, and it's going to be cool, but I'm going to have to be on a lot of allergy medication because I do not want this ruined. Tawny has friends, and she goes places and has fun adventures. I try to. I stay home and look at Twitter on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I look at Twitter while I'm on my fun vacation, so. Wow, okay. <laughs> It's the best of both worlds. <laughs> just a little, uh, just a little Disney uh, Channel throwback for all you kids out there. I'm just excited. We didn't even watch that, so um, should we dive into the questions? Oh, I feel like I had something I wanted to say, but I guess I you remember. always have something you want to I say. I know, right? I'm so interesting. So we had some questions that were like left over from. Um, the last podcast. Oh yeah, we didn't have time to get to, so um, I left some of those in in there, and then we have some new ones. We also have some that we apparently missed because I don't, Instagram didn't notify either of us that people had asked us questions. So yeah, we're like, why doesn't anyone ask us questions? Apologies. Why are we so unpopular? And then we had all these unanswered questions yes. we didn't know existed. Oops. So, thank you guys. Um, glad that those were there, though, because we probably wouldn't have had anything. Shh, 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 shh. <laughs> no, we have so many questions. We're very popular. Yeah. Everybody likes us. <laughs> <laughs> this question is from Amanda, and it's well, it's more of a request, but she says Inside Out and the five fictional characters that make up your inner panel. So we're assuming that that's five different characters that would make up our personality. So In and Out has got the five emotions, right? Inside Out. 
not the not okay. fast food. What did I say? In and out. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> my was I was about to cook dinner, but then the power went out. So my <laughs> my food is just sitting in the oven. I gave her some of mine. All right, so we've got anger, envy, sadness, joy, and fear. So I think we should choose characters that um embody those traits. My fictional character that represents my anger is Tawny. <laughs> I'm not a fictional character. I know aren't you? I don't see a lot of photos of you. <laughs> Tawny's just my imaginary friend. Don't you hear how similar our voices are? It doesn't take a lot of work. Just overlap the editing and the... Just, like, make it a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm also secretly really good at singing. So. <laughs> anyway. Surprise. And Tawny's also secretly funny and nice. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That would mean you're not real to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> All right. Who's your fictional character for fear? For fear? Um, Niles Crane. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> oh, man. Who's your fictional character for anger? For anger? Mm-hmm. Um, Mine is that um, short guy on Mulan. <laughs> Mao? <laughs> is that his name? The one with, like, the, the checklist, like, the... <laughs> Oh no, the little the little dude. It's like angry. I'm king of the rock. <laughs> you can't have more than one. I, I don't like that. I'm on the same I'm the same emotion as him. That's not fair. <laughs> well you're insisting you're real, so I had to choose another one. Okay. Um <clears throat> anger. Man, this is hard for me to think of. Are you trying to get me to give you an answer? No, I just, I had one and it, it went away. I'm just going to keep coming up with mine while you think. Um, let's no, see. No, I had one. Well, envy is envy from Full Alchemist. <laughs> I, envy would be the mermaids from Peter Pan. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I or, don't think. I think we're just coming up with characters. These don't actually really apply to us. Or like Snow White's moms, mom, moms, <laughs> her moms. <laughs> yeah, basically any evil Disney character. Yeah. Okay. They're um, all envy. Mm-hmm. Joy, um, Maria von Trapp. Joy. Tawny doesn't have one of those. No. <laughs> I'm just thinking it's of an empty Ma- panel. I'm thinking of Moss from the IT crowd. Like the times he's happy. That's how like the kinds of things that I get happy about. He's like joy and fear. Yeah. Together. Yeah, I feel like he represents me well in both. Okay, sadness. Oh, too many to choose from. Sadness. Um The tenth doctor in his last episode. <laughs> I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Ah. <laughs> um, sadness. The the parents and the boy in the striped pajamas. Tony! Tony! <laughs> no! I was just looking at you, and do you know what I was thinking? Hmm. I was thinking, Tony, what's the saddest movie you've ever seen? JK, it's the boy in the striped pajamas. Yeah, that's... And then you said it! <laughs> <laughs> I was... That's kind of what I was trying to think of. Saddest movie. 
I watch a lot of sad movies. They are my favorite type of movie. When I saw that movie, and no spoilers, but spoilers, it's really (laughs) sad. And if the movie theater seats were not bolted to the floor, I would have thrown them. (laughs) Like, I was so angry and, and sad. I was just like, this is devastating, but perfect. Like, it's like if I were to make a movie, (laughs) it would be devastating and perfect and you would all die. (laughs) I just like non-traditional and sort of tragic endings. I feel like it's a lot. That's good. I'm glad you like those. Because it's how my life is going to (laughs) end. All right. Next question. (laughs) Um, Tell your life story in three sentences or less. These are not questions. Amanda is just ordering us around. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So demanding. Demanda. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really glad I did not take a sip of my drink just then. That's her name on the podcast from now on. (laughs) Demanda. Sorry, Demanda. I don't even know who you are, but I'm being mean to you. She's probably not not even going to listen to this, to be honest. Then let's just lay into her (laughs) and also answer this question. Tell your life story in three sentences. It's not a question. I mean, demand. It's Demanda. I demand you tell me your life story in three sentences or less. My life story. These are too thought-provoking. I can't think that quickly. Your life's not that interesting. My life story in three sentences or less. I was born, period. (laughs) I ate a lot of food, period. I have not died yet, period. I grew up thinking I would go insane, and I thought about it and worried about it so much that I went insane. <laughs> oh, I grew up thinking I was sane. And then I realized in fifth grade, oh, I'm not sane. I should stop all the ways that I think about things. <laughs> I had OCD. I have OCD. We know. Have I ever mentioned on this podcast <laughs> that I have OCD? Yeah, only. Like, well, I have every to mention podcast. it every single time, or the world will explode. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little OCD humor there for you. Uh, lightening up the mood. All right, our next question. I think um, we're going to go to Zach's, and it is favorite bad movies, and bad <sighs> meaning like. Not well produced. Oh, see, I was going to say the one with the most cusses. <laughs> Just to clarify. JK, Drop Dead Fred. Oh, man, that is a great movie. I know. I love it. Dad says he walked out of the theater because he couldn't stand it. And I love that movie. Okay, so my favorite bad movie. Can I don't know if I, it doesn't really qualify now. I don't know. So my favorite bad movie when I was a kid that I still will watch is The Walk Adventure. No. Yeah. Tony, that movie is so bad. It's so bad, but it's just so (laughs) memories. (laughs) I liked it when I was five years old. Um, shoot. Well, that's what I mean. Like, that was my childhood favorite bad movie. Even as a kid, I knew... This is horrible, but I love it because they're so cute. Have you seen the holiday special? No, not yet. I don't feel like that will be a favorite bad movie. I feel like that will just be a bad, bad movie. I was listening to a different podcast where they were actually going over the whole movie. I um, know. The holiday special. I was there. Yeah. 
you don't have to tell me. Oh, wait, we're on a podcast and so we have to tell about it. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of, like, a favorite bad movie that I like. Now, I like a lot of bad movies, to be honest. Like, Yeah, you do. Like, a lot of cheesy. Tawny loves so many cheesy movies. <laughs> Let's not get into Oh, okay. I can tell you that. some of Tawny's. Do not list any. DM me if you want to know. No. <laughs> Stop that right now. I'm checking <laughs> off this question. Moving but on Tony, to the next. This is how they get to know us and it makes us endearing. And maybe they share the same favorite bad movies. Um, no. Asia, would you like to ask our next question? Nope. Okay, I will. It's from somebody else and it is <laughs> such a good question. Tony is dying <laughs> right now. Asia? Yes. Sweet or savory? Savory. I will always take two dinners <laughs> over one dinner and one dessert. Mm. Although, mm, savory desserts? Mwah. Mwah. That's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making out with your fingertips, please. That sweet and salty combo? Mmm. Mmm. Buttery, flaky crust. That okay. is why pie is so much better than cake. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always had a huge sweet tooth, as you know. Um, but I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten more of appreciation for savory. Although, I don't know. I can't. I can't handle very much of one or the other. Like I have to have a pretty well balanced. Like, amount of both, I guess. As restrictive as Tawny is with her food, I'm honestly proud of her personal development in this regard. Because growing up, she lived on nothing but burritos and hot dogs and ice cream and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And cereal. And that was after branching out. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile... I was sitting at the table for two hours refusing to eat my peas. Like, double standard much. I ate everything else. Stop trying to make me eat mushy peas. Thanks. Nobody likes those. That was an oldest child problem. By the time they got to Tawny, they're like, whatever, eat whatever you want. No, I have a very distinct memory of um, our father shoving a uh, like, spoonful of peas and carrots into my mouth. Beep. And... <laughs> Um, it was just like... Peas and carrots. Or no, not peas and carrots. Sorry. Carrots and broccoli. Like what? Big, I thought there couldn't be a worse combination than peas and carrots. Yeah, a carrots and broccoli. And I started gagging and I like had to run to the bathroom to spit up all these... This like huge mouthful of broccoli and carrots. It was disgusting. And it like... The worst part is that our parents hate those vegetables. I, I know. <laughs> I remember years later being... Like, I was talking to uh, our mom about it, like, how much I hate cooked carrots. I still do, unless it's in, like, soup. And she's like, yeah, so do I. And I was, I was like, how dare you? (laughs) How dare you try to shove that down my throat? But then I realized, you know, we were totally poor, and the frozen, like, horrible 
vegetables were the best that we could do. I'm still poor and sometimes malnourished, and I still won't buy those. <laughs> yes. And so they're the cheapest possible way to get nourishment. <laughs> they're gross. Yeah, they're... No thanks. I just... I did once learn you, to like once Brussels you cook sprouts. them. When you cook them to the point where they're mushy like that, pretty much all the nutrients are gone anyway, though. That's so. actually not true. I just read that there's some vegetables that actually somehow become more nutritious. I don't think carrots, though. Well, carrots, you know what? Like, carrots aren't even that great in the first place. Carrots, I feel like it would just get rid of all the nutrients and keep all the sugar. They've got some vitamin A, whatever. Take a pill. <laughs> Other than that, that they're a lot just of kind things. of sugar, water, and fiber. Yeah. So, um, have fun. Anyway. Um, we also turn orange if we eat too many of them, so. All right. So, um, we have a few questions from an anonymous INTJ. And the first question... What are the personality types of your parents? Oh, yay. So, Asia, you can take one. <laughs> I'll take the other. Oh, okay. My mother is an ENFJ, mm-hmm. which if anybody knows anything about the Myers-Briggs personality um, typology system, ENFJs are very sweet, kind, helpful people. Um, very idealistic, obviously. Idealistic. Um, Having an INTP as your oldest daughter when you were an ENFJ is challenging, (laughs) to say the least. So, obviously, um, there were, you know, challenges Challenges (laughs) on both ends. (laughs) So, um, and our dad is an ISTP, which is the exact opposite of our mother. And, (laughs) um, yeah, that's that. We'll let you um, extrapolate. (laughs) That's not to say, though, I I know some ENFJ ISTP couples, and they do just fine. I know one other. I know multiple. Cool. And it's it's just one of those couples that takes a little extra work, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, I think any opposite pairing like that would, which is actually interesting when you look at what else this anonymous INTJ has to say. So, we shall move on to our next question, which is, do you relate to one more or the other? Why? So, since Asia has a lot of thoughts, clearly every time she sighs like that, you know, (laughs) I will let her go first. Oh, I thought you were going to say, since Asia has a lot of thoughts, I will go first, because usually by the time Asia finishes talking, I just want to move on to the next question instead of saying (laughs) what I was going to say. (laughs) Go ahead. Oh. You know, in all the obvious ways, I relate to dad more. Like, we have a lot of similar interests, and we also, um, we're both rational thinkers, we're both kind of disorganized, and, uh... He is not a rational. Alright. He's a thinker, I meant to say. We're both thinkers. Yeah. We're both perceivers. We're both introverts. But he's a censor, and I am and Which really can't make a huge difference. So when we're working together, because we work together, he is an electrician, and like things that are physical and mechanical come pretty naturally to him, and they do not come naturally to me at all. Also, sports come naturally to him, not me. However, as was demonstrated today when I was at work with him, my specialty is to be mostly useless until he comes to a stopping point and is frustrated and then suddenly I think of a solution outside of the box and then he's like okay I will not fire you because <laughs> because it's like the missing puzzle piece there's my intuition or something I don't know my mom though 
Um, we definitely have a lot in common too. We're both kind of we both have extroverted feeling. We both have extroverted feeling. Except hers comes first and yours comes last. <laughs> so that makes for some interesting communication issues. Yes, yes, yes. Because when I'm frustrated, that extroverted feeling comes right out. <laughs> um, we're both, honestly, we can both be kind of sensitive depending on the situation. Kind of. Shut up. <laughs> and, like, we both are very concerned with justice and, you know, what's right. We don't always approach it the same way, but it's a concern. We also, we're both, we have artistic interests and we like to uh, kind of go a little extra. We're kind of extra. <laughs> so like if you throw a costume party or whatever, my mom and I are both going to be way extra <laughs> and kind of performers, which honestly growing up, that really embarrassed me. Like it embarrassed me so much. But then the older I got and the more confident I got, I realized, oh, shoot, I love it. <laughs> like, I loved being the one I'm... who was a little extra in school. Like, I would do all the extra credit, even if it meant doing an embarrassing performance in front of class. That was me, which was just so funny because it was just the opposite of how I was in all the way from K through 8. Suddenly, high school as a different person. I stopped telling her when I had things like that presentations <laughs> know, or when there was like a spirit week where you're supposed to dress up I was like not telling her because I didn't want her to force some costume on me because I wanted to be the person that didn't dress <laughs> up or if I did it was like super subtle I only told her if I had waited to the last minute and I got stressed out and I didn't know what to do and then I'd be like <laughs> mom oh no and she'd be like Asia but I knew that she would want it to be good so she would do it <laughs> Just like with my projects. Kind of you. <laughs> I know. I know. I mean, I think that it's actually kind of similar. I act, I don't think I relate to mom really at all, except <laughs> for the creativity part of things, like, and the wanting things to be clean. I was just about to say, um, you guys are both perfectionists. We, okay, so this is how I relate to my mom. Perfectionists, planners, and creative. Those are the things. Um, with my dad, it's more like just, I don't even, I guess a sense of humor is a little similar. They have and, the same laugh. <laughs> yeah, and um, just being able to, I guess, not be emotional about things, even <laughs> though we are. Like, I don't know how to. It's funny because ISTPs, like my dad, are seen as such cold, calculating things by all the stereotypical things that you see online. But Dad is really emotional, like, about certain things, you know. He can definitely let his emotional his yeah. emotions carry him away. And I think it's because they're not his primary, you know, go-to. Yeah. Although I don't think I'm like that. Like, that's not something I would relate to. I mean... You're kind of sensitive. <laughs> yeah, but I don't let it overwhelm me when I do get, like... Anyway. She's private about it. <laughs> that's why she's moving on. <laughs> But um, I just think, like, being a little more rational and also just not caring as much of what other people think. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, dad doesn't care. Like, dad cares what people think, but not at the expense of being wrong. Like, if he thinks you're wrong, then he doesn't care what you think. He'd rather be a social yeah. outcast. I don't care. Like, if people... <sighs> Like, if people are going to judge me for something they don't really know or they're wrong about, then mm -hmm. that's cool with me. Dad loves to argue. <laughs> this is a problem. That's actually something. <laughs> it's funny. So, 
Um, our dad likes to debate with both Asia and I, but the way it goes is entirely different <laughs> because he likes to provoke people. Oh, gosh, and yes. Asia is very easily provoked. <laughs> I am not. And it's funny because I can see him trying to do the same thing to me sometimes, or like he wants to see how I'll react. I'm a lot more calm with my debates with him, and so I find it fun too. I've gotten a little better <laughs> at remaining calm because I realize... The only way I can win is to remain calm the longest. <laughs> you know? If he starts raising his voice first, then he loses. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, actually, it's kind of the same thing. If we ever get into arguments with mom, then you also. <laughs> Although I think with that, you guys have like a, a real clash in communication. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. I don't know. I just beatbox at her, I guess. I know. It's not fair. <laughs> like, I love my mom, and she loves me, but, man, like, I could never back down. All the times I got in trouble growing up, I didn't do anything. I was so obedient, but I would not back down if I thought she was wrong about something, and so I'd just keep talking, and then I'd be grounded for a year, <laughs> and Tony just beatboxed at her until she got weirded out and went away. <laughs> <laughs> Only did that one time. But, well, that's the thing, though, is, like, I don't, I, I sit in silence long enough for her to be able to think and for me to be able to think, and, like, I just, in general, am a lot more calm when it comes to someone coming at me, you know? Because, like, obviously, I already know what I've done, and, like, I have a defense, but I'm gonna, like, I guess present it in a more calm way. You know, okay, so I feel like, in general, I'm pretty calm. And I don't get enough credit for how calm I am. (laughs) But the thing is, mom and I don't tend to have a clash until she's already upset about something and I'm already upset about something. And then because she's upset about something, she gets all up in my business. And because I'm upset about something, I have no tolerance for anybody being up in my business. She does the same thing to me. And so that's it's actually it's comes. actually a common ENFJ thing and I know that I have several ENFJ friends um but I will say that I have seen them all do this to me where they're mad at somebody else and about some entirely different situation and they will take it out on me. Do you know what that is called? That is called emotion smuggling. <laughs> And so I've learned, I actually heard this on Personality Hacker, but I've learned to think about that. Like, if I'm acting really upset about something and the situation does not call for it, I'll be like, what emotions am I smuggling right now? Like, what am I bringing to this at this moment? Like, am I just hungry? Do I need a Snickers? I (laughs) definitely, I don't want to seem like I'm attacking just one personality type, but... You do have a lot of experience with the ENFJs. I do, and, but also, I'll just say that... Like you said, we all have, like, a certain amount that we can only keep so much, you know, like, separated. Like, mm-hmm. our once we feel one way about something, it will affect us, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, if you do tend to be a more emotional person, then that would be a good thing, I guess, to work on. Just being able to put that aside and think about the individual situation that you're in or the person that you're dealing with and not, like, bring 
other problems to that person. Well, I have to be logical about it because, like, I have to think about my emotions because generally, day-to-day, how I function is thinking. (laughs) When I get emotional about something, it's hard for me to gauge. It's hard for me to figure out why I feel the way I do, if I should feel the way I do. Because it's a like way inferior function for yeah so (laughs) so according to the personality hacker's car model my driver is the thinking right and then my three-year-old who throws tantrums is Mm -hmm. that extroverted feeling that's (laughs) my mom's driver is the extroverted feeling so like her primary function and my inferior function which is a baby (laughs) clash together and literally i become a baby (laughs) a three-year-old throwing a I know that's why she tries to come at me with her driving force. It's so funny because it's, you know, like something that I've seen growing up and everything. But that's what I like about MBTI so much is that it really does explain logically like why we act the way we do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's so many people that don't like being put in a box, but I'm like, you know, get in your box. Close <laughs> <laughs> the lid. Like, we're all still very unique people, uh-huh. but at the same time, like, when you know these it helps generalizations. Sense of a lot of your conflicts. Yeah, and, and it really helps you to build your own character and to work on your weaknesses and to understand why you're having issues with certain people. Mm-hmm. Like, I have seen so much consistency in it that it's kind of crazy and so much accuracy. And it totally makes sense now why Asia and my mom have always had kind of this emotional conflict. Well, you know what happens when I come at mom with my <laughs> driving force, <laughs> that thinking, mm-hmm. and she is just like, you know, that always happens when she wants to talk about something emotional and I just like go cold marble because it hasn't had anything to do with me so I don't get emotional about it I go like well let's solve this problem she hates that (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) um INTP is definitely traditionally a male personality um so this is usually this is a traditionally like stereotypically a male thing to do is to try and solve the problem instead of just listening and being a sounding board I think that that's something that you and I have both had to learn, that we do have personality types that are usually males, and so pe- but people that don't know us super well are like, oh, look, girls, we can talk to you about our emotional yeah. issues, and I'm like, no. no. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually okay with it. It's just that I'm not very good at, like, comforting people, mm-hmm. and I also can't really relate to the issues because if I were in their shoes then I would handle it differently. Dude, my whole life people have been like literally back when before we had cell phones and you had to like, you know, pick up a house phone and twirl <laughs> the curly cord around. <laughs> like people would call me, kids at school, asking for advice about like their love lives and things. And my answer was always the same. You're twelve. You shouldn't have a love life. <laughs> Bye. Like, I don't understand why people always thought I was the one to go to for advice. And this went on in high school. Like, literally, people are crying on my shoulder. And I'm like, I think they just think I'm a good listener because I don't know what to say. Yeah, and I then I would finally give them, like, one a one-liner of sage advice, you know? And they'd be like, you're so right. You know? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times this has happened. And I don't understand why I had never had a boyfriend. <laughs> I had no experience in this area. I think, I don't know, maybe people recognized the, like, 
logic. When I'm feeling a little emotional and sensitive, I start to feel like people only want to talk to me because they know that I'm not going to be involved in their social life. And so I'm a safe person to talk to. And then they can ditch me for their real friends who are the ones who betrayed them, who are the ones that are complaining about it to me in the first place. And wow. Oh, my God. That's, um, so uh, I feel like then I get gotten sad. way off topic now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, as usual, <laughs> we have gone on a rant about personality types and how everyone's crazy. Okay. Don't be my friend if your whole basis for the friendship is you wanting to complain to me about your other friends. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> All right. So our next question, if you could live, and this is by the same anonymous INTJ, by the way, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would that be? I would literally live anywhere if I could just have enough money to live <laughs> and electricity that didn't go off all the time. <laughs> so I can cook my dang dinner that's in the stove. <laughs> Oven. <laughs> okay. Is that your, really your answer? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I kind of want to try living in Paris. I, it's hard for me to choose because I want to live everywhere, so I'm just going to let you answer. Um. So I saw this question ahead of time, and I was thinking about it. And I don't think I could answer because I haven't been to that many places. I know, right? So, I mean... We live in California, and honestly, out of the places I have traveled to, I really like California, and the times that I've traveled, I really, like, appreciate California more. Um, I did like New York, but it's just, like, it's a totally different feeling. I love Oregon. Um, I might live there, but I don't know if it would be, like, my number one place. Um, I've always wanted to visit, like, New Zealand, um, but I I haven't, so I wouldn't know, and I've everyone that's been there has said that it's basically like California, but with accents. Or wow, different, perfect. Different accents. Um, and everywhere I go, which is on it, I mean, to be fair, has not been a lot of places, but everywhere I go has been like, oh, this is fun for a nice little break. <sighs> California is better. <laughs> and <laughs> I lived in Hawaii for two years, guys. This I do not say this lightly. <laughs> it's just there's a really, like, there's a really good balance of environment and culture in California. Weather. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant by environment. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, we live, like, in between mountains and the ocean, and pretty much most people who live in California live in between mountains and the ocean. Dude, you can practically find rainforests here. Like... It's... Yeah, there's just a lot of variety in scenery, deserts. which... I obviously appreciate. I like to travel and road trip around. I was just tweeting about the food. Okay, when I lived in Maui, <laughs> do you have any idea how much I missed being able to choose from, like, 25,000 different Mexican places or, like, 3,200 pho places? Like, I missed that. I didn't realize that in other places that are not Northern California, you can't just oh, choose yeah. to eat whatever you want because you saw it on a TV show that day. Dude, try being a vegan, even just in New York. Also, try being a vegan in Alabama. I'm not a vegan anymore, by the way, but when I was... What a waste of a trip to I Alabama. was in Alabama <laughs> and New York, and, like, it was so impossible. I ended up eating, like, rice and vegetables that I cooked myself most of the time. And then in New so York, I, I found this one bakery coffee shop that was, like, sort of nearby, and I would drive there to get just a cup of coffee and, like a vegan muffin, which it was really delicious, 
but it was not that close, and also it was, you know, it's not good to eat pastries every day. So, you like, go but to in, any old grocery store around here, and you will find vegan options. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and like restaurants too here are a lot more vegan friendly, and same in Oregon though. There's tons in Oregon. Um, and we ain't even vegan, guys. We're just saying. We like options. Well, I do eat a lot of vegan food. Yeah, I do too. Because I can't have dairy. and It's just kind of, like, inherently more healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're eating, like, Pringles or whatever. I think one of my favorite restaurants is a vegan restaurant. But Anyway, um, so California is very nice. I would like to travel more because I think maybe my answer would change. I would like to travel more so I, I can found the right places. completely confirm that we already live in the best place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, there's lots of places I want to go. I think I want to visit Germany and Paris and Prague and Indonesia and New Zealand and Australia and Japan and South Korea. And it doesn't end. All the places. All the places. I think I can avoid. I can. I can say that I've been to more tropical places than I have. Like should have. I don't know why, but all the farther places that I've traveled, (laughs) like Hawaii and Thailand, like why? Why am I choosing those places? I mean, I liked both, but. I don't like humidity or heat, so I'm not really I'm sure why those so were the first places that I traveled mad to. That you've been to Asia and I have not. <laughs> Asia hasn't been to Asia, and I'm hoping to go to Japan next spring. I would be Asia in Asia. <laughs> it's too much Asia. Racist. Asia, Asia. <laughs> yeah, that's racist. Okay. Do you know what I like? I wrote out my name. In uh, Katakana. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Pep. <laughs> that's with a smiley face in the middle. That's kind of funny. Yeah, that's our dad's name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Would you like to ask the next question? Yeah, I haven't asked a single one in it, actually. So. I think you have. Or I asked you if you wanted to, and then you were, like, mad. Oh, right. <laughs> I forgot to be mad. <laughs> I do that a lot. That's the only reason my mom and I could keep getting along is because I'd be like, I'm never talking to you again. And then five minutes later, I'd think of a joke, and then I'd tell my mom, and then she'd laugh, and then I'd be like, dang it, I didn't I, mean to talk to you. I think that was our whole family, honestly. Like, the only reason we ever were, like, survived together is because none of us could hold a grudge. Like, we were all just, we'd forget within, like, ten minutes what just happened and we or like it would get too serious and we would just start making <gasps> jokes can i tell the funniest story ever no yes <laughs> one time tawny was like a teenager and she and my mom i don't remember what they were arguing about but they were just like going on and on and on and i was in the other room and i was on my computer and i had just downloaded audacity for the first time <laughs> and i took my laptop And I got on the floor, and I crawled with my laptop into the living room where they were arguing. And I hit record. And then I went back, and I raised up the pitch so they sounded like chipmunks. (laughs) And then I just slowly lifted my laptop up (laughs) onto the arm of the couch and hit play while they're still arguing. And they hear this little chipmunk arguing like, no, that's not what you said. I love it. 
And they just, like, slowly stopped arguing and, like, like, what the heck? Like, looking for the source of the sound. And then they see, and there's just silence. And then they're, like, they just start bursting out laughing. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. I saved but the family. But it sounds... <laughs> Sounds like something that would definitely happen. Like, they still argued a little bit about the topic after that, but it was pretty much over. (laughs) I felt like a genius at the time. I was like, I should be a psychotherapist. I'll just just make them all sound ridiculous until they can't take themselves seriously anymore. Well... I mean, it always is ridiculous when you look back on it. Well, I was just telling my doctor the other day, I was like, yeah, my family, like, literally anything, if people die, we start making jokes. Like, it's just our coping mechanism. And you know what he said? He said that's actually one of the healthier coping mechanisms that's, like, actually pretty healthy is to use a sense of humor to, like, get through tough times. And I was like, oh, good, because we weren't going to stop anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Asia, next question, please. Oh, I thought I already asked it. No. <laughs> All right. This is also from our, our anonymous INTJ. When you look at someone as a potential mate, is it important to you what type they are? Just for the record, I've been married for 26 years, and my husband is the polar opposite of me. I am an INTJ, and he is an ESFP, maybe an ENFP. He's never taken the test, but I took it for him and occasionally asked him if I wasn't sure of the answer. They say opposites attract, but I wonder if I would have considered him as a mate if I knew he was an ESFP. Take it away, Tawny. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so... Our resident INTJ. When you look at someone as a potential mate, is it important to what type they are? Um... I wouldn't say that I would immediately be like, nope, just because of someone's personality type. Mm -hmm. But I will say that I generally am, I do click well with certain personality types more. Or, like, I look for certain traits that are found in certain personality types more so than others. But I'm not going to judge them immediately based off of that. Um, And I actually like to try and get you know, figure out a person for who they are before I learn their personality type because I don't want to even subconsciously, like, make that judgment, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and as far as, like, I don't know. that It's really interesting to me the whole concept of opposites attract because I think that you could see two people and not know that much about psychology or MBTI or um, young typology and be like, oh, they're totally opposites, but really they're not. Mm-hmm. Like, if he, if this anonymous INTJ's husband really is an ENFP, then that's actually, for a lot of people, an ideal pairing, and it's not the complete opposite, even though, like, you might think pretty different or act different um, externally in a lot of ways, like there's probably a lot once you get to know each other on a deeper level that's very similar and then yeah so just like in general because your Myers-Briggs type it's really just your learning style right like mostly and the traits that we talk about the stereotypes for each of the types those are behaviors resulting from a combination of your learning type and your environment mm-hmm. and 
other, you know, factors growing up. It's just that certain learning types tend to develop certain behaviors, which is why those stereotypes arise, but it's not a universal thing. Also, in my relationships, like every kind of relationship, it doesn't always occur to me to wonder what type somebody is until we start to have some kind of conflict, which to be fair, does not take very long for me (laughs) to run into conflict with somebody. Um, But it's like, as soon as we have a conflict, then I'll be like, hmm, hmm, what type are you? Like, I just want to know where this conflict is coming from. Mm-hmm. Why why we're clashing at this point. But I don't think that's unhealthy in any, in any way. I think that that's just you wanting to figure them out as much as possible so you mm-hmm. can, like, understand why you're having an issue, you know, and why and to get to the root of it more efficiently. Yeah. I mean, something I have been guilty of is saying, like, like, they do something I don't like, like, ugh, such an ENFJ or something, you know? <laughs> and that's kind of weaponizing the typology system, which is yeah. not super fair. I mean, I've I've done that before with um, just sensors in general. I, I, like, in our last podcast, we had the question from Zach, mm-hmm. you know, basically saying that I said, ugh, when he said <laughs> that he was an ISFJ, and, which... He's not even an ISFJ, but it's, I don't remember doing that and like (laughs) also apologize for doing that. Mm -hmm. But, um, I just, when I know that there are certain personality types that I get along with in a certain way, not even necessarily better, but in a certain way that might be like a little more enjoyable for me. And I know that I have an easier time communicating with intuitive types Mm -hmm. and it's like in general or like in my experience, that's the case. I'm not, like I said, I can't prejudge someone but just knowing their personality type because it could be different for them. They could be more mature in one way, which even though they would be the same personality type as someone else, it's less mature in that same way. So, I One last thing I want to say on this is that I've noticed a pattern in people I know and in reading online, <laughs> uh, INTJs. I was reading a whole thread by INTJs about, like, their romantic pairings. <laughs> this is definitely a topic I would like to go into on a And there was a serious setting. pattern of their first romantic relationship being with an ENFP. And their second romantic relationship, what was it? I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> it was ISFJ. <laughs> so their first romantic relationships were, th- were with ENFPs and their second were with <laughs> ISFJs. And I was just like kind of laughing a lot because <laughs> this seems to be a repeating pattern. So to our question asker, it's possible that like, I don't know how long, if this was your first relationship or... <laughs> possible your ISFJ soulmate is out there but you seem to be doing fine 26 years with your ENFP I honestly think that ENFPs and INTJs are definitely drawn together because I I'm an INTP and I know I'm super drawn to ENFPs like I think there's just kind of a a circle that INTP ENFP ENTP INFJ circle Mm -hmm. that those types all seem to kind of gravitate towards each other. So I can definitely see a romantic relationship um, developing there. And yeah. 
growing. I well, I think for me with ENFPs, I tend to like get along with them easily because they will first push me to do things that I wouldn't that like I kind of want to do but wouldn't do on my own. They're just like, come on, just do it, you know, just do it. And then also they're extremely intuitive. And so like, I will not say anything, but it's like, they're just like, they know what I'm thinking, which to me, wait, 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 wait. Why don't you listen when I say just do it? (laughs) (laughs) You're not an ENFP. You don't have that vibe. I'm an N. I'm a P. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like that mutual mind reading that I enjoy which is why intuitives generally I get along with better because I don't have to say everything I'm thinking and they still know what I'm thinking. You know, I have that mutual mind reading with ESFPs. Uh, ENFPs, I feel like they are very, I don't feel like I can read them as well as they can read me. I don't, I don't think ENFPs necessarily can read my mind, you know, but it's more like if I'm talking about my emotions and my problems to an ENFP, they tend to be able to say very concisely what it is I'm actually feeling when I don't even know how what I'm actually feeling. Like, I'll be talking to an ENFP, and I'll be like, well, this happened. Ha ha ha. Isn't that funny? And they'll be like, aren't you angry? Because I would be angry. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're right. I am angry. And I was covering it up with <laughs> laughter. <laughs> and I didn't know I was angry, but now I know that I have the right to be angry because of what you just said. <laughs> So ENFPs are good friends for me to have for that reason. (laughs) They can tell me how I'm feeling. I feel like there's a good balance. Anywho, our next question. Uh, I'm I'm very sorry, (laughs) but we don't know how to pronounce this person's name. Is it a username or her real name? Real name? So I'm just going to ask the question. I'm sorry. But they say, hi, I love the idea of your podcast. What made you want to start it? Asia. <laughs> so, Tawny and I, we didn't live together for, like, years. And then I moved back from Maui, and Tawny was like, wow, you're annoying. But <laughs> but basically, every once in a while, Tawny and I would, like, you know, i go into her room or she'd come into my room, and then we'd start, like, just scrolling through Pinterest or whatever and looking up MBTI stuff or we'd watch a show and... Um, <laughs> Hold on. Wait, what? I thought it wasn't even really like MBTI, like us reading MBTI together. It was more me trying to explain differences between an INTP and an INTJ to you. Get out of my room. And also, and then you, me going through all this effort, and then you being like, Tony, I just want pictures. That was that. So anyway, continue. Okay. I'll give you that. I just really wanted to be entertained by the <laughs> memes. <laughs> yeah, I was doing actual, like, research and trying to explain this, like, very thoroughly to to Asia. And she's just like, memes! The power's back on! Yay! The power's back on! Whoa! We just came on full blast. And our heater's back on. Oh, no. <laughs> Turn that off. <laughs> I'm so cold. <laughs> so, anyway, um... Let's agree to disagree on that. It's a true story. <laughs> There's nothing to disagree with. Agree to disagree. No. <laughs> the, worst, to disagree. the worst phrase. You seem to be disagreeing with me, <laughs> so clearly you agree to disagree. Does, does, does <laughs> Seth li- listen to our podcast? 
I don't know. Because if he does, he will hate you right now. If he does, then I hate him for never sending in any questions. (laughs) (laughs) Or promoting us. Seriously, though, he's like our number one Twitter friend. Where is he? Heck, (laughs) Seth. Seth Thurs. What's his last name? Seth. What? Uh Uh-oh, I forgot your last name. Westenberg? <laughs> Whatever he called me Tanny forever. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> so funny. Okay, anyway. My name's Asia. Finish, not finish the story, Asia. Alright. Um, so anyway, we would just kind of like crack each other up and make jokes that so I don't know, Tawny, if this is your experience, but when I'm out in a social setting among like the norms, <laughs> um whereas Aston likes to call them the normies. I will sometimes say a joke. And it is just objectively the most hilarious joke that any human being has ever made. <laughs> objectively. <laughs> ever in the history of man. And nobody will even react. Or if they do, they'll be like, I don't get it. And I'll be like, I can't explain it. It will not be funny. <laughs> I do. And they're like, well, then it's not really funny. I'm like, it is. You just lack sufficient knowledge to understand the context of this joke. <laughs> and then I sound like a big jerk and no one wants to be my friend. <laughs> so Tawny well, and kind I... kind of are a big jerk. Irrelevant. <laughs> so Tawny and I were having um, a good time. Some of the times, usually eventually it would devolve into an argument of some kind and yes. then she'd leave or I would leave. But, <laughs> but for, for a brief moment of time, we were cracking each other up and enjoying each other's ridiculous humor. Um, and we were like, ha ha ha, this is so funny. We should record it. <laughs> it should be a podcast. And then other people can hear our conversations and then they'll know for sure that we're funny because I guess we laugh at each other <laughs> and that's evidence enough. <laughs> and I was like, that's a bad idea. Tens of followers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if there's tens. There's ten. <laughs> Probably. Our ten followers beg to differ. Anyway, so that was kind of the initial drive, but then we also wanted to talk about We wanted to talk about personality types a lot, and we just wanted to talk... We wanted to share all our bad opinions with all of you about science fiction. We thought that you would care. And and then so many people... So we're like, hey, people are going to want to listen to us talk, obviously. (laughs) So let's... God, I don't even... I hate listening to myself. So let's put out a call for questions, and people, instead of sending us questions, do you know what they did? What? Can I be on your show? Can I be on your show? I should be a guest on your show. Let me be a guest on your show. And we were like, okay, how about send us some questions first so we have some material. <laughs> but then we ended up having some people as guests on our show. And guess what? It was a good idea. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm happy with No one wants to listen to just the two of us forever, all the time, every time. Yeah, we're pretty annoying. Okay. So that's that's kind of yeah, what you are pretty annoying. Starting. And I already said my voice is annoying. I don't like listening Tom to it. Tommy is very annoying. So. Uh, <laughs> Unlike me. Universally likable. So I'm thinking. Human being. Should we save this one? Not a robot. Because we didn't have Rook. Time. We didn't have time. To- Rook. We'll answer your question next time. <laughs> we have to tell him that we thought about it, but we just Does didn't he listen? Have time. I think so. I think he knows that we didn't answer it. So, um, Rook, we're considering your question still. We have not given it sufficient thought. So we want to give it all. We want to put our effort into it. I was going to do research on it, actually, because 
I don't know what it's referencing, um, <laughs> but our power went out, which means our Wi-Fi went out, and I could not do the research. Bl- don't blame us. Blame PG&E. Yeah. Sorry, Rook, next time. So, um, it will be... I don't think it will be in our next podcast. Probably the one for June, because maybe, our next podcast... Maybe People of the Sea is something to do with Star Wars, <laughs> in which case it'll be in our next podcast. Yeah. So, um... Oh, we had some un- we had s- some other anonymous questions that we wanted to cover. Um, so I just want to before we get to any of our other questions, I want to very quickly because I did put out a call specifically for advice questions. Yes, and we did get a question, um, from Sonar Foob. <laughs> What is the best way of going about getting a new 2018 registration sticker for my Jeep? I moved before I got it in the mail, and it didn't make it to my new place. Thanks. All right. Sonar Foob. I did my research, and I have some good news and some bad news. The good news is you can get it instantly if you go to DMV. And by instantly, I mean after waiting a lot at the new DMV. And bring $21 with you for the replacement fee. Apparently, they're not going to give it to you for free. Um, Alternatively, you can order it online at gettags.com, I think. That's the website. And just Google it. Wouldn't the fee vary based on state? I assume we're talking about California here. But anyway, at gettags.com or whatever, you can get it for any state. So, unfortunately, they they do have a very quick turnaround. You can get it within – you can get it, like, the next day or within three days. And but they have a fee of like thirty dollars in addition for the DM to the DMP's twenty one dollars, and then plus extra for faster shipping if you want it faster than three days. So you just, just go right into the DMV and just get it that day. I'm just saying, depending on their circumstances, maybe they can't get to the DMV. You can also mail the money and the form to the DMV, but that. <laughs> No, they'll take forever. <laughs> so my recommendation: like, go want... to the DMV, bring twenty one dollars. Don't do that unless you want to have to pay the next registration fees. <laughs> I'm sorry I couldn't find you, it gets to you a free way to do this. The only free way is to somehow track down the people who have got your mail and hope they held on to it and still have it. Um, other than that, you're just going to have to do what all of us do and pay the DMV extra money for pieces of plastic paper. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Because definitely stickers cost $21. <laughs> okay, so our... California. Um, our anonymous California. questions are from an ESFJ. I'm sorry, it's just that we just got through saying how what a great place California is. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that that would apply any in any state. It Nobody, is expensive to live here. There's no great DMV to go to, I don't think. That's why we're huddled in my trailer room, dressed in beanies and blankets. <laughs> And living in the woods. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, first question we have from this ESFJ is, how do you tell people they are wrong by their type? Like, I never want to be insulting or belittling, but sometimes I know people are wrong about stuff, and when it matters, I have to correct them. I'm curious if different Myers-Briggs types like to be corrected in different ways, and how to do it without friction. How do you personally deal when you are angry at someone? Would you like them to fix it, or do you want it to be left alone? I don't know how you would correct an INTP, because (laughs) we're never wrong. (laughs) I just, I knew that's exactly what you were going to say, and I'm so mad. (laughs) 
Oh, man. Okay. So this question comes from an ESFJ. And I think we should use ESFJs as an example. So ESFJs, let's think of something they do wrong. Oh, I thought of something. ESFJs. Oh, that's very fast. You always think that you have to tell people when they're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> you do not. I don't think that that's a common ESFJ thing, is it? ESFJs are bossy. All of them. Every single one. I'm just kidding. I'm talking <laughs> stereotypes here. But ESFJs do have a tendency to want everything to be the best for everybody. Like, they're the, they're the excellent hosts. They're the great... They're very firm believers you know, in traditionalism. Traditionalists. Um, they want everyone to be happy. They really care what other people think, even though they're great at not showing that they care what other people think. Well, they're not great at not showing that. Well, Go I ahead. think it's just because we grew up with an ESFJ who I thought... My whole life, I thought she didn't care what anybody thought. And it turns out she was she kind of an anomaly of an ESFJ, in my opinion. Well, she grew up with a bunch of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> but ESFJs tend to be, you know, popular and they're just very likable people. They just, they're the person that everyone's like, that person is just so nice. Everyone loves them. But it's all like, calculated. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. And it's that, math I can't that ESFJ is constantly worrying about. Like, have they offended anyone? Are they mm-hmm. doing the right thing? Are they presenting themselves the way they're supposed to be? And, like, just always worrying about it. So probably since they're so conscious of that, that's why they see when other people are not, you know... They're like, what's wrong with you? Behaving correctly. Um, <laughs> and I know another ESFJ, not our sister, who has said, like, you know, she just... Just <laughs> she can't hold it in. Yeah. I mean, I know an ENFJ, too. Is okay. She's like, I just don't... I don't understand why people don't think do things the way I do them, because I do them the best way. <laughs> so let's assume that the CSFJ is right. They are correct, like objectively. Safe thing to do. They are objectively correct, <laughs> and they need to know how to correct a different personality type. Should we just choose a type at random? Um, let's say no. I would. I think we need to speak generally because right. we don't. Want, we don't want to pick on like any an type. Introvert versus a extrovert. Or- um. Yeah, I guess. Or just, I think that using uh, young typology might be a little bit better, a little more helpful. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so, someone who has... Okay, so you're an INTP. I guess I am picking one person. I knew it. But oh, excuse it, me. No, I'm just saying, so you have, like, a inferior, you know, extroverted feeling, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, when you're stressed out, that... that comes out and you turn into a three-year-old, a three-year-old of emotions. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you're, if you're dealing with someone like that, who has underdeveloped emotions, you know, statistically speaking, then you would (laughs) want to take that into consideration. And if they start getting, if you're dealing with a, a rational person, someone who's generally very rational and they start getting emotional, this is good, then you want to back off. You just need to let them sit and calm down. Because they're not going to be reasonable at that moment. No. Like, and even though they are normally very reasonable people, and I'm actually speaking for myself, too. If they're, like, if you see me emotional. Oh, God, run away. (laughs) (laughs) Then you have hit a nerve. Like, just, you've stabbed it. You've stabbed that gut nerve. Anyway, um, so. Can, Can I just interject real quick? Please hold on to your own thought. Don't even listen to me so that you don't forget what you were saying. I think that when, uh, if I start to get emotional, 
and then you react in like your reaction is directly like reacting to my emotional state then I will become not only angry at you for making me emotional but I also get angry at myself for becoming emotional because it's so contrary to how I want to be. I want to like be my calm, rational self about this. And now I'm angry that you have caused me to be this volcano instead (laughs) who no longer can think rationally. And like that anger just kind of escalates and escalates. It's like an exponential, it's like an avalanche where it just keeps building on itself. I'm angry that I'm irrational. So I become irrationally angry. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing is, yeah, like leave me alone. The second somebody leaves me alone, Honestly, I usually fume for a few moments, maybe break a hairbrush or something, <laughs> and then I write a letter. I'll sometimes just write out a list of everything that I think you did wrong, everything I did wrong. And sometimes it won't even be that. I'll just write a sequence of events as I recall them to see exactly what happened here. And it's like, I think that's my coping is just like, let's look at this exactly how it went down. And then at the end, usually the conclusion I come to is how it made me feel, how I might have handled it handled it wrong, how I would appreciate you handling it in the future. And this is a, literally a thing I have done since I was in high school, and I, I did it recently. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, the best thing is to let me just chill and think about it, because eventually that rationale will come back into play, and I'll think about it more carefully. But once the emotions come in, and if you try to keep going, it ain't happening for you. <laughs> yeah you have to and i think it would be the same in reverse so this is where i was gonna go next basically if you're dealing with someone who has an inferior someone who's obviously capable capable of expressing all of their emotions thoroughly Mm -hmm. but then they're not quite as capable or they're less mature in their you know logical thinking then and you're trying to get a logical point across to them Mm-hmm. then you want to make sure that if they're just like keep going at you with their emotions and they're not getting your point of logic then you need to just take a break you need to like kind of just ask for them to listen you know for a little mm-hmm. bit and explain very very calmly like the logic and also <laughs> i found this very helpful when dealing with people who have extroverted feeling as their first function is <laughs> What should you be talking about? <laughs> Lots of people, actually. Um, but just, uh, like, acknowledging their feelings is very, very important. And honestly, that's kind of important with anybody. Mm-hmm. But when it's when that's the first thing that their brain does, you know, that's the first thing on their mind always, you know. And not only their emotions, but they're thinking about how it affects other people. And you want to acknowledge that whole situation, like, acknowledge the feelings, and then get to your logic and try to explain why you think this way. So it's kind of just, in general, make sure you're aware of what their inferior functions are and what their, like, superior functions are, Mm -hmm. and that way you can know why they would react in a certain way and how to react back. I started doing this letter writing thing when I was in high school because, you know, with three daughters – 
with varying personality types, um, all trying to get to school at different times, you know, our mom trying to get us there, and then we all have our own conflicts and whatever. My mom and I would sometimes get into it. And so, you know, I'm stressed about school. I'm stressed about life. I'm a teenager. My emotions are all over the place. <laughs> and she's stressed because she's trying to, like, you know, do everything she can for all three of her crazy daughters. And so... <laughs> Um, <laughs> we, sometimes I'd get into class and we didn't have a chance to resolve whatever conflict had happened. And so sometimes, you know, yeah, waltz into biochem, very upset, <laughs> not listen to anything that happened because I now have to compose this letter. And, but what would happen is when I would later give mom the letter, like whatever had she, she had said that morning about how I was grounded for the rest of my life or whatever, <laughs> would usually subside or at least I'd receive a lesser sentence <laughs> because... Yeah. She could see, first of all, my thinking, how I perceived it. Then I would acknowledge her feelings and how, because once I have the chance to see, to look at things logically, I can be like, okay, now I can see how this might've made her feel when I said this. And then I will say, but this is how it made me feel. And this is maybe why. Like, and when you see it all out on paper like that, and this may not apply to everybody. Writing is kind, I'm kind of my strength. I'm better at expressing myself in writing than I am in words. As you can probably tell by how much I'm stuttering and speaking all <laughs> over the place. But if writing is not your strength and speaking is, then obviously you would want a different approach. But I think writing can be helpful for a lot of people because you by default have to think about what you're going to say. And there's a certain logic that comes along with writing out your thoughts especially if you go back and read it again. <laughs> I wonder if it's different, though, because the way that I reflect on, like, emotional situations is different. Like, I very rarely will write anything down. I'm more like, I need to go drive somewhere and listen to music and, like, have... I need to be able to distract myself enough to where I can't do anything else but think. Like... And that's why driving is good, and I do a lot of thinking while driving, because I can't, like, do anything else. Mm -hmm. So I'm stuck there with my thoughts, and then I start to think about things more, and I can, like, play out different scenarios in my head, and, like, view out, view other people's perspectives and stuff. That's good if you have trouble focusing. Sometimes, you know, meditating on the situation in whatever way helps you focus the best. Writing helps me to focus. If being in a car, isolating yourself in that way helps you to focus. That's another way. I think the key is focusing, mm -hmm. focusing on the situation, trying to be as objective as possible and being calm, trying to put yourself in the other person's shoes is probably the most important part. Because if you remember that usually, generally, everybody is trying to do what they think is best and not with malicious intent. <laughs> That's pretty idealistic of you. I can be a little idealistic. It's true. <laughs> I, I feel honestly betrayed every time I find out that somebody genuinely had a malicious malicious intent. Oh, I know. Because it's so hard for me to believe. Like, I know I've been mean to people, but I never mean to be mean to people. And I feel awful about it when I finally realize it. And then I feel like I have to go out of my way to make it right. So obviously, if that can happen, if if someone like me who really wants to be nice to people can still sometimes be mean, then I realize that other people who are being mean to me, at least from my perspective, may not be meaning to, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's just, and you can take that 
logical leap. Of course, there are some people who are just like balls of trash. <laughs> but don't just don't assume everybody who disagrees with you is. This is not entirely answering the question. I feel like it's more than answering the question. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the thing is how to tell someone. So, like like I said, assuming that this ESFJ is correct, mm-hmm. objectively correct, and they want to tell a different personality type that they're wrong. So Maybe we should think of the situation. Like, they think the Earth is flat. <laughs> <laughs> just... Well, I think, like, what I said before about the functions and everything, being aware of that in order to create less conflict and to be able to uh, communicate better is, like, the first thing you would want to do. But then that would be a way to avoid friction, as she said. Mm -hmm. And then she also asked how we personally deal when we're angry at someone, and then we answer that. Mm -hmm. And then would you like them to fix it or do you want to be left alone? You know, I I like to be left alone. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I, okay, I am, I think, in a few different ways an anomaly. (laughs) Because on the one hand, I'm an INTP. I like to come at things from a rational standpoint. On the other hand, I can be a bit sensitive about certain key things. (laughs) When it comes to those key things um, that I'm sensitive about, but maybe I'm wrong about it and somebody needs to correct me then I know that I deal best with somebody who does their very best to be kind about it, to show that they've done a lot of thinking about it and their own research and that they're not coming at me with an emotional reaction. If I have done something wrong, then I... I can accept correction a lot better if it doesn't come with a side of anger mm-hmm. or revenge or whatever. If if somebody tells me, I'm sorry, you're wrong, this is why I've thought about it, what do you think? I have historically been much more receptive <laughs> to that kind of correction. Um, so someone like me, that's your answer. Just don't come at me with all your emotions. Please show that you've had done the courtesy of thinking about it and calming yourself down first. Like, I was just thinking that, like, you know, if she's an ESFJ and so Mm -hmm. if dealing with someone like you or, you know, someone similar to you, then that would be, like, the main thing is that, you know, ESFJs, their first function is also extroverted feeling. And so they you would (laughs) really need to hold back on that because... To someone like Asia or I, or kind of any rational, it's overwhelming. It's like an attack of emotions, Mm -hmm. and uh, we just don't want to even listen. And so you need to be as logical as possible. Nobody likes to be corrected, so there's already going to be emotions, Mm -hmm. no matter what. So try to minimize (laughs) the, the volatility of the situation. Yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to express, like your feelings towards something, but don't make that, like, your argument. Mm -hmm. Just say, I feel this way, and this is why, like, because of these logical reasons and so on. And, I mean, that's that kind of applies to us more, like, if she's reasoning with someone like us, but, um, you know, I... But she is literally my opposite, so (laughs) if she can help, if she can do it to me, she can probably do it to almost anybody. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, it still applies to most people. You don't want to bombard them with one side of things Mm -hmm. or the other 
Anyway, I think that we have talked about this quite a bit. So, the there's two more questions, or a few more, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, what is your favorite instrument to play if you had all the skills or to listen to, and why? I love to listen to the cello, and I would love to play the cello. I do play the flute, and I do not like to listen to the flute. <laughs> not that much I mean, Anyway. I was just watching a show where they were like, they, this flautist came on stage and started playing, and this one woman was just like, Ugh, she can't play here, but I just love the flute. <laughs> and I was like, man, who loves the flute? I know, right? Mom, <laughs> that's why I had to play it. <laughs> I was very upset that I had to play clarinet. I'm, like, still mad I that to I had trombone. to play clarinet. <laughs> no, okay, I wanted to play trumpet, but Mom wouldn't let me because it was too annoying. And then I was like, <laughs> okay. It's not annoying. I know, or clarinet. Have you heard those, thing, those <laughs> things squeak? Yeah, recently. Okay, so <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and... And then I wanted to play trombone, and I get in there, and or I asked mom, and she said that was fine, because it was, like, lower and not quite as squeaky, and... Wait, what? She said no to me, because it was a boy instrument. That's stupid. So, <laughs> I was very insistent. She was more progressive by the time you were around. <laughs> I guess so. Um, also, I was definitely much more of a tomboy than you were growing up. I know. She probably was like, um, have you seen your delicate little princess hands <laughs> playing the flute? <laughs> And got to me, and I'm basically like an animal. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I went and I was trying out the trumpet, or not the trumpet, the trombone. And my music teacher was like, "Um, sorry, Tony, your arms are too short." She was so small, you guys. <laughs> she didn't even look like she belonged with her class. She was half their size. <laughs> I was so upset. Like my arms were just barely not long enough to play the trombone. But like, meanwhile, I'm a head taller than the other girls in my class, and I'm all knees and elbows and knocking around with my big buck teeth hanging she, out. She's just like, what the heck? How about the clarinet? And I'm like, no, because I didn't, I didn't want to play the stereotypical girl instruments. You know? I did <laughs> the flute. Clarinet. The clarinet was one step down. <laughs> clarinet and flute were like the girl instruments, and then. I don't know. Like Although a violin was an option, I probably would have chosen violin. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get to have any string instruments at our school, though. It was too small. Oh, That's what made me sad, because I totally would have learned cello. I did take violin in seventh grade, because I was homeschooled in seventh grade. And I had, like, one recital, very simple songs. But I just didn't have the drive to practice it independently enough. Which is the whole reason I don't play any instrument other than the flute. <laughs> um... I think the easiest one for me to learn would definitely be piano. Like, you don't need to but learn if you have any all the skills. And brochure or whatever. If I had all the skills for all the instruments? No, it's just, I guess. Cello. Yeah. I already answered. Okay. It's the so best instrument. So, my, <laughs> I was actually also thinking cello. I love listening to the cello. I think that you can put a cello in, like, so many different genres of music and it just makes it better. And I really wish I could play the cello. I have a cello. I want to learn. I'm probably going to take lessons. I'm hoping to. It's just a matter of time. Um, but yeah, I think that cello is a lot of people's favorites because it's just so good. Like, even simple notes, nothing complicated. Cello sounds great. Um, so the only instrument I think I might want to learn how to play uh, more than the cello is the holophoner. From Futurama. <laughs> yeah, 
I was wondering if you, how quickly you would recognize it, and you got it instantly. <laughs> but dude, how cool would that be? I know it would be. You combine music with art. Aw, yeah. <laughs> it would be great if it were real. I've always wanted to like. Have you ever? I don't know how common this is, but sometimes I want to like write, you know, words. <laughs> no. Like I want to write a story or something. And but because I want to write something beautiful, but the words aren't actually coming to me, and so I end up drawing like an eye. This is a weird cross wire thing in my brain. I'll I'll start like maybe drawing a really fancy letter L. I'm just trying to make the letters look pretty, even though what I really want is the meaning of the words to be pretty. And then I end up drawing a picture. And so it's like there's something in my brain that's just like I want to make things that are pretty. But it can't decide if it wants them to be words or music or drawings. And a holophoner would be perfect because I could play the music. It sounds pretty. I could also draw the pictures with it. They look pretty. You probably need the devil's hands. And you could write an opera with it. Words! (laughs) Yay! (laughs) I would trade my hands for that. No question. (laughs) Look at these stupid little things. So our last... (laughs) (laughs) Barely play flute. Our last question from our anonymous BSFJ. I'm falling asleep. I need to sleep. Um, (laughs) So our last question. Asia? Do you ever desire to smash an instrument? Yes, a cello. <laughs> How rad. But only if you had a spare cello. That was I, nicer. I think that it is so... It's just one of the saddest. I'm getting a little teary right now. You can always make another one. Thinking about how sad it is when people smash instruments. Like, <laughs> the only way that is acceptable is if the instrument just, like, doesn't work anymore or it is like on the verge of completely breaking like if you have a piano that oh i see tawny's okay with murder as long as they're old and broken (laughs) only with instruments (laughs) (laughs) um but other than that whenever i see people like musicians Smashing their guitars on stage. I'm just like, it's no! art, Tawny. It's expression. I don't care. <laughs> I, it's the it's horrible art. I hate it. They are inanimate objects that are valuable <laughs> because he decided they are. They're trees and metal. They take a lot of work to create. Asia, how do you think the people that create those instruments feel that their stuff is just being smashed? They're probably enjoying someone else's. They're probably enjoying the food that they ate, that they were able to buy with the money that they made when they sold the instrument and never saw it again. No. (laughs) (laughs) The food that they ate. I think this is one topic where poop it out, and then it'll fertilize a seed, which will grow into a tree that someone else will make into another guitar. This is one topic where Asia's being a little more rational than me. The fact that you think my ridiculous argument is rational is so cute. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it is oh, it true. Is. It is, yes. But I'm just... You have more of an emotional attachment to... Well, I also think it's irrational to smash instruments. You need those. And why spend <laughs> why spend the extra money getting another guitar when you already had one? Are you kidding? They're rich rock stars. They're eating caviar out of each other's navels. <laughs> They don't need anything. Where do you, how do you know this? 
I don't. I made that up. <laughs> I'm just assuming it happens. <laughs> it's just what you wish would happen. Why would I want that? That sounds disgusting and unhygienic. <laughs> I'll take the caviar, please. No navel things. Fish eggs. Unless they're navel oranges. No, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> I just meant individually, not with the caviar. <laughs> Actually, that might be good. No, that would be disgusting. Mm, Can you not imagine taste together? I can. It would be gross. Citrusy, salty. No. Sweet and savory. She (laughs) not mix citrus and salt. That's gross. So, Asia, um, someone was asking me about the Jane Eyre thing. Oh, oh, it looks like it's time for the end of the podcast. Any progress on that? I guess we should say the outro. Okay. Because nothing else is happening at this moment. right. I, I definitely don't that. need another month or year to read this book. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have not not read another word of that book. <laughs> I can't believe how fast months go by, dude. I used to read so much. What happened? Anyway, that about does it for us. If you would like your questions featured on the next episode, send them to mostlyrationalpod at gmail.com. Our next pod will be a special episode with two guests. It'll have a theme, Star Wars. Yay! And it's going to be released on May the 4th. If you have any Star Wars-related questions or comments, send those suckers in. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support the podcast and enjoy some of that sweet, sweet bonus content, head on over to patreon.com slash mostlyrational, where you can hear our blooper reels. And specifically this bit where Asia is humming the Star Wars theme in the background. It's a recurring theme. All that for as little as a dollar a month, although there are some pretty sweet perks to be had at each tier. If you're already a patron and can't do that right now, there are lots of other ways you can support our pod. You can share, retweet, like, review anywhere and everywhere, and it's all greatly appreciated. If you're able to leave a review on iTunes, again, you will be our hero. We also welcome feedback. What you like, what you don't like, let us know. And, again, send us questions, please. Yeah, Aston actually didn't ask any of these questions. Whoa! We had a podcast about Aston! Actually, you know what? I think he sent questions, but I didn't see them, so <laughs> next month. All right. Thank you, nobody, for potting with us today. See you next time. Do, 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 do.